just when Leo Marvin thought he was getting away from it all. As of this afternoon, I'm taking my family on vacation. His old friend Bob Wiley showed up. Dr. Marvin! Oh, my God. I really appreciate this. I don't want any of you letting Bob into this house. He's a sweet guy. Do you want Bob over for dinner? Would you like some more chicken, Bob? Mmm. 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 Will you stop that, please? You're angry. No, I don't get it. You're upset. Touchstone Pictures presents Bill Murray. Hello, I'm Bob. Would you knock me out, please? And Richard Dreyfuss. This man is crazy. Get out! Why'd you need to kick Bob out of the house? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? What about Bob? Rated PG. All right, so... Show of hands, how many of you have ever had to deal with an unwelcome guest? Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about a surprise guest where somebody shows up that you're so glad to see, you want to reconnect with, look at this old friend. I'm talking about the kind of a situation where uh, you're sitting in the living room, you see that car pull into the driveway, and you're like, everybody hide, Right? <laughs> And at that moment, your youngest child opens the front door and says, look, somebody's here, Daddy. Right? Am I the only one? No, actually, that never happens. Sarah and I welcome all people equally. So uh, that never happens with us. But you may have had to deal with an unwelcome guest. And uh, you saw on the trailer there um, where he's like, nobody let Bob in, right? And so this movie, <clears throat> What About Bob?, it's not quite as, as flashy and extravagant as Greatest Showman, I, I admit it. But uh, what we're going to pull out of this today is um, Bob, so the, the Bill Murray part of the movie, uh, Bob is this guy that is like consumed with fear and anxiety. It, it, uh, it controls what he can and can't do. It controls where he can and can't go. And basically, it just kind of rules his life. And so his new therapist, Leo Marvin, he, he is trying to work his way into his doctor's life, and his doctor's trying to keep that from happening. So it's, you know, hilarity ensues. But what we're going to look at is the things that are consuming Bob's life, fear and anxiety, those are the things that Bob is going to kind of represent. So we've got quite a few clips we're going to look at today. And as we watch these, I want you to think about Bob personifying fear and anxiety. Because sometimes fear and anxiety tries to push its way into our life as an unwelcome guest. And so what we have to be able to do is we've got to be able to recognize that that's what's going on. And we've got to learn how to deal with it. So actually, we have another clip right now. So let's roll that clip. Wish me luck, Phil.
me, sir? Yes. Dr. Marvin, Dr. Leo Marvin. Second elevator, 44th floor. Thank you. Elevator? sit down. It'll be a few minutes. Yeah, so fear, which again, Bob is representing fear and anxiety for us here today. Fear has become so common. Uh, and how many of you guys remember I know hopefully most of you will. How many of you guys remember, you know, several years back when, like, you could buy these shirts and these hats and these bumper stickers and all that that said, no fear? Remember that? Remember the no fear thing? Well, there are very, very few people that I think can honestly say that in every area of their life, there is absolutely no fear. Now, I do believe that that's what our experience should be. And we can, I could take the next 10, 15 minutes and prove that to you in the Bible. But the, the fact of the matter is, the times we live in, the place where we live, fear and anxiety is common. It's common. And it may not be the same way for, the, for every person, but fear and anxiety in one form or another is very, very common. In fact, anxiety disorders um, ha- are the most common mental illness in the U.S. It affects 40 million adults, 18 and over, in the United States, anxiety disorders. And it's so common that we can make the mistake of believing that for us it's normal. And I guess what I'm trying to say today is there is a difference between what is common for the world around us, and for what should be normal for you and me. Those don't necessarily need to be, and they really, in this case, should not be the same thing. And so what we want to do today is identify a strategy of the enemy, and that strategy is to make you okay with harboring fear in your life. Um, The goal of your enemy is to make you unwilling to resist or fight off fear when it comes knocking at your door. And it's really a compelling strategy if you look at it, if you think about it, because fear, we know, is an emotional thing. It's a mental thing. And when you're emotionally 
worn out and you're mentally worn out, it's hard to fight. But fear is not just emotional and mental. Fear is also a spiritual thing. 2 Timothy 1.7, you've heard this before, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So fear is something that shows up as emotional, mental, and spiritual. So it has to be dealt with on an emotional level, on a mental level, and on a spiritual level. How many of you guys know that if you come up here and we get our prayer ministry people up here and we pray for you and we drive out the spiritual side of fear from your life, it will happen, it will work. But if you have not dealt with the way that you think and if you haven't dealt with the way that you process your feelings. In other words, if you haven't taken care of the mental and the emotional sides of fear, then the doors are still open for fear to come back in, for anxiety to come in and grip and control your life. So we have to deal with it on an emotional, a mental, and a spiritual level. And so today what I want to do is I want to take a look at three steps for dealing with fear and anxiety in your life. Just If you can remember these things and you apply these things, they will work. Step number one is very simple. We just need to recognize that it is fear that's trying to work its way in. We just recognize it. It's an awareness that this is what's happening. Um, It made me think of, this wasn't even in my notes. I was thinking about this first service back to uh, when my wife, Sarah, was in the hospital. And she was in the hospital for five days. And the doctors didn't know what was going on. She passed out. She was unconscious. um, And they had her hooked up to all kinds of machines, running tests. They ran all sorts of tests for five days and could not come to a conclusion of what was going on until finally... This, this doctor came in at the end of five days and he said, look, this is what's going on. This is all stress. It's all stress. And, and here's the, the point. He said, when I tell her that this is all stress, she will immediately start getting better. And I stood there and watched as he leaned over her bed and said, Sarah, what you are dealing with is all stress. And she woke up and she started getting better. Now, why is that so significant? Why is that powerful? Because when you understand that what you're dealing with is not a big, bad problem, you're dealing with the fear of a big, bad problem, then it changes your perspective and it changes your mindset and it changes the way you deal with it. So we can look at what is fear. You know, we could try to define fear. And even in the context of the Bible, There's a lot of different ways that we could define fear. But I want to use one particular statement um, to to look at what fear is and how fear works. Let's put this up on the screen. Fear is a false prophet that lies to you about your future to try to get you to make fear-based decisions. Fear is a false prophet that tells you lies about your future to try to get you to make fear-based decisions. Now think about that. How does that work itself out in your life? Well, I feel like God's telling me to go on this mission trip, but 
the last person I know that went to that country got really sick. And so, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't go, right? This is how fear works. And we have to understand that uh, this is what's in operation. This is what's happening. It's not even so much a situation. It's the fear of a situation. So the bottom line is fear is bad. It doesn't come from God. And a step to overcoming fear is realizing that you're dealing with fear. You see what I'm getting at? It's not so much the situation itself. Fear tries to attach its significance to a circumstance or a situation that hasn't happened yet. Well, I don't like to fly because I'm afraid of crashing, right? Well, have you crashed? No. But I might crash, right? So it really boils down to a quote I'm thinking of, and a lot of you guys are going to kind of remember this, but you guys remember FDR, history class, his first inaugural address. He had a real famous quote, and it was, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So your problem is not the thing you fear. Your problem is the fear of the thing. Let me say that one more time. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. Your problem is not the thing you fear. Your problem is the fear of the thing. All right, I got another clip. Let's go ahead and roll that clip. Why don't I start? Huh? The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Uh, I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. Uh, in public places, it's, it's uh, almost impossible. I have a real big problem moving. Talk about moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever, blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? What if my heart stops beating? What if I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find it, and my bladder explodes? <laughs> so Bob's talking about a lot of what ifs. And... Uh, I think it's become common, unfortunately, that a lot of people have become a slave to what ifs. What if I get sick? What if I fail? What if this plane crashes? What if I make a wrong decision? What if nobody understands my sermon on Sunday morning? 
In my notes, it says, wait for laugh. <laughs> but it's, it's way too easy to begin to live your life by what ifs. And it's a huge mistake because faith does not coexist with what ifs. It's not how God works. It can become um, an unhealthy cycle. So it can become a downward spiral if this is how your mindset is working. What if? What if? And what I want to do here real quickly is read you um, an excerpt of a blog that I came across last week that I feel like really, really hits the nail on the head with this whole idea of how a cycle of panic and fear form. So number one, it says, fear distorts the facts and retells the story towards a negative outcome. The anticipation of a negative outcome increases my anxiety, which, is, which unleashes more adrenaline in my body. Greater levels of adrenaline cause an increase in my toxic thoughts. This increased toxicity releases more adrenaline and the beat goes on until I finally have a panic attack. And those of you who have had panic attacks know what that's all about. Number two, when negative thoughts are not resisted but instead cultivated by dwelling on them for more than a few hours, they become attitudes. Attitudes are a way of thinking. So I go from a bad thought to a bad way that I process information. Eventually, I become pessimistic. And pessimism, which is the attitude of negativity, actually attracts more bad thoughts, which again creates anxiety. So you go from negative thoughts to attitudes to pessimism. And then number three, pessimism inspires a faithless culture that affects the people around me. When they embrace my fearful, pessimistic, and thankless attitude, they extend the culture of anxiety. And then last of all, number four, over time, this culture of fear becomes a lifestyle of pain, panic, and powerlessness. This is the cycle of fear and anxiety when, when, when it goes unchecked and allowed to operate in our life without being dealt with. So it's serious stuff. Uh, it's nothing to be relaxed about. It's nothing to just put off to, for another day to deal with. It's something that needs to be dealt with. And I think we understand how it works. We're able to recognize it, but we need to see how to deal with it. So we're going to look at uh, the next step, but let's look at this next clip. Bob, your behavior is completely inappropriate. You're angry. No, no, I don't get angry. Well, you're upset. <laughs> I don't get upset. Well, then let's have a little talk. Bob, I do not see patients on vacation ever. How many ways can I make that clear? Now, what I'd like you to do is to get on this bus and go back to New York. I can't. I'm totally paralyzed. I'm all locked up. You got yourself here. Barely. Well... Getting back will be therapeutic. But can't we just have a little talk? Bob, you are testing my patience. Come on, I've come so far. Bob, I'm baby-stepping. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm baby-stepping. I'm not a slacker. Listen to me. Check Listen. it out. Look at it. I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob. Please. Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I Bob. need, Bob. I need, I need. Bob. Give me, give okay. me. Okay. Please. All right, all right, please. all right. All right, it's 2 o'clock. Go to the bus station, buy yourself a ticket home, and then... Wait for me in that coffee shop. You'll meet me? 
I'll call you in two hours. Oh my God, you're the greatest. Now, no, no, I just, just you have to promise me that you will buy your ticket and go home. Absolutely. I'm gonna do it, do it right now. All right, I'll call you at four o'clock. You couldn't possibly make it three thirty, could you? So Dr. Marvin just made a huge mistake. He negotiated with Bob. So step two is don't negotiate with fear. Never negotiate with fear. You know, fear and anxiety can knock on your door, but you don't have to open the door. But we talked about this just a few minutes ago. If you don't have a habit of filling yourself up with the Word of God, of spending time in the presence of God, praying in the Spirit, being built up by the Holy Spirit, then this struggle against fear and anxiety can wear you down. And when you get worn down, and when you get fatigued, and when you get tired, emotionally tired, mentally worn out, that's when you start looking for ways to cut your losses and compromise. But you should never, never, never compromise with fear and anxiety. <clears throat> because listen, how you respond to fear will set the tone for how you deal with the situation that's causing the fear. Let me say that one more time. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. How you respond to fear sets the tone for how you will deal with the, whatever the situation is that's causing the fear. Now, I've talked about this before, um, but it's so true, and it applies to this. I want to bring it up again. Uh, the, the Bible, uh, actually, it's uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says this. You've, you've read this before. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So that's so significant, and there's so much deep truth there because, for one thing, it says that the devil walks about like a roaring lion, so he's not a roaring lion. That's how he walks around. And it's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, the question that I had was, Okay, so what is the difference between those he may devour and those he may not? And by the way, when we say the word devour, what we're talking about is the enemy wants to get into your life, wants to find a place where he can operate and manipulate you and cause you to go the wrong direction, the wrong way, uh, corrupt your relationships, your mindset, and basically ruin your life. That's what he's looking to do. But according to what 1 Peter 5.8 says, there are some who he may devour and may not. So what's the difference? And what I want to suggest to you this morning is it's in how you respond to the roar. Again, it says that the devil prowls about like a roaring lion and he comes and roars into your life. And the way that you respond to that, the way that you respond to that first manifestation of fear determines whether or not he can 
come in and try to devour your life. So if you respond in fear, then the enemy says, okay, that's something I can work with. I have, I have a job to do here in this person's life. But listen, if you respond by standing up and saying, shut up, devil, you're a liar and I'm not buying it, then he has to go. I said he has to go. Amen? So James 4, 7 says this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will, what? Flee from you. But if you don't resist fear, fear will move in and set up a nice guest room in your house and begin operating. And you don't want that to happen. We got one more clip. Let's go ahead and show that. Here's the one who made oh. it happen. Dr. Leo Marvel. Dr. Leo Marvel. Get out. No, we won't get out. We won't. You deserve it. I mean, get out. Get out! Is it something I said? You've ruined my life! You've ruined my career. You've ruined my book. You've turned a perfectly peaceful house into an insane asylum. Get out! Daddy! Oh my God, Leo, what's gotten into you? It was a disaster, Faye! No, it wasn't. You were wonderful, you sweetie. You were fine, Dad. Yeah. Why'd you need to kick Bob out of the house? You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? So when Bob moves in, it's kind of hard to get Bob out. And uh, if you've lived with fear and anxiety for a long time, and it's become a normal part of life, it may feel like you can't get fear out. But uh, I want to tell you that that's not the case. So uh, I felt like this, this morning, before the first service, I, I felt like God was saying that he wants people that are coming in here as a worrier to leave as a warrior. Did you hear that little slight change in the words there? So if you come in and you've got a problem with worry, he wants you to leave that problem behind today. And um, so if, if fear has become a normal part of life, then it's time to make some decisions, draw some lines, and get free. And negotiating won't work. Only total eviction will work. So that's step three. Fear should be evicted. Now, I want you guys to read this with me, just this one verse. First uh, John 4, 18. Let's read this together. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Amen. So if fear and anxiety have moved into your house, into your life, into your heart, then it's time to start making things uncomfortable for your unwelcome guest. And this is easy to do because fear cannot exist in a mind and a heart that's full of the love of God. You have to create an environment uh, in your heart that will not support the existence of fear and worry. In other words, you have to create a hostile environment inside 
that fear and worry cannot thrive in. So there is no fear in love because perfect love evicts fear. And also, uh, love brings thankfulness. And thankfulness is something else that drives out fear. And so love and thankfulness are kind of the one-two punch that overcomes fear. Now, I want to, what I want to do is, as the band goes ahead and comes back up, I want to finish reading from this blog uh, that I started just a few minutes ago because it kind of sums it up, talks about what you need to do, what the step is you need to take to get rid of this. So it says, a lifestyle of panic, although I know it feels real, is an illusion because all things work together for good in my life in the end. That's what Romans 8.28 says. So listen to this. So if it's not good, it's not the end. We can't always help what happens to us or around us. But we have 100% control over what happens in us. So here are the steps I practice for breaking out of the cycle of fear. Number one, the fear cycle is broken when I take control of my thoughts instead of them controlling me. Then I proactively retell each fearful story according to God's good intention. Slowly the adrenaline subsides and the dopamine, the feel-good chemical, is released in my body, which causes me to feel the reality of my divine outcome. If you want scripture on that, look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. Number two, thankfulness is the simplest way to inoculate myself from fear. Because I can't feel gratitude and feel fear at the same time. And then number three, I transform my life by renewing the way I think. Any thought that doesn't inspire in me, that doesn't inspire hope in me, is rooted in a lie. I reject any thought that inspires hopelessness and search for thoughts that infuse me with hope. I can't afford to have a thought in my mind that isn't in God's mind because I have been granted the mind of Christ. Now, you remember earlier on when I read 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. The end of that verse is God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's important to understand that it is God's will and purpose and desire for you that you have a sound mind and a healthy heart. It's not his desire for you to have fear. It never has been, never will be. And so as we kind of begin to come in for a landing here, I want to do something. I want to read you uh, a scripture to kind of close up, and then I want to take a step, okay? Now, you may have heard this before. It's a pretty common place to go when dealing with fear and anxiety in the Bible, but it's so powerful. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Listen to this. Be anxious for nothing, for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's how that works, plain and simple. Let's all stand up. And I want to do something. 
if you would do this with me. I want to pray and then I want to have you repeat something with me. So let's start off. We're going to do something not just symbolic, but prophetic. Put your hand on your heart and let me pray. Thank you, Father, for revealing to us that fear and anxiety is trying to push its way into our minds and hearts. And so, God, we choose now to do two things. And everybody repeat after me. We resist and repel any fear and anxiety in our thinking or our feelings. And we bring our requests to you, Father. Amen. Now just take a minute right now and uh, we're going to do a song. We're going to do that song, No Longer Slave Again. And what I want you to do as the band does this song is I want you to to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any area of your life where fear and anxiety is trying to creep in, like Bob is trying to creep into that family's life. That's how it works. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this to you as we do this song. And then I want you to take it to the Father and make your requests made known to God. And what's going to happen is you're going to, re- you're going to receive help and your heart and your mind are going to be guarded as a result of it. Amen. Let's do this song.